Hey everybody, welcome to Just for Variety. Today is January 19th, 2022. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. On this week's episode, I'm talking to Hilary Duff. The former teen idol stars in How I Met Your Father, Hulu's sequel series to How I Met Your Mother. Duff opens up about the pressures of living up to the original series. Plus, she weighs in on the future of a Lizzie McGuire revival. Then later in the show, Vanessa Kirby. The Crown actor stars in the new indie drama Italian Studies as a writer who suddenly loses her memory. Of course, I couldn't not ask Kirby about her work in the upcoming eighth installment of Mission Impossible. But before we get to today's interviews, let's have a peek inside Variety. Glee alum Kevin McHale is jumping into the children's entertainment market. He and Justin Thorne, the two were members of the boy band NLT in the mid-aughts, are shopping around the Alphabeats, a group of five animated singing and dancing teddy bears. They launched over the holidays with a short video on social media, featuring the cuddly creatures coming to life in a young boy's bedroom and performing a portion of the original tune, Christmas Every Day. They also released The Alphabet's Christmas, a five-song EP of holiday music. And happy holidays, got a few things on my wish list, hope Santa's on his way. We'll be rocking around the Christmas tree, so excited I can't wait. Oh, how I wish it could be Christmas every day. Wish it could be Christmas. We joke that it's the Spice Girls meets One Direction, Thorne tells me. Mikhail added, we wanted to use our passion and knowledge of music to make something magical for children. Their plans for Alphabets include a multi-platform children's education and entertainment brand that features a digital series, movies, live concerts, and merchandising. For more on Mikhail and Thorne's Alphabets plans, head over to Variety.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Just for Variety. Hilary Duff shot to stardom as a child star, becoming a teen idol thanks to Lizzie McGuire. Since then, she's released albums and appeared in films. On the television side, she starred on Younger for seven seasons before the series ended in 2019. But now she's back in How I Met Your Father, Hulu's How I Met Your Mother sequel series. She plays Sophie, a single woman looking for love in New York City. Kim Cattrall plays her in the year 2050, serving as the narrator, telling her son how she met his father. Here is Hilary Duff. I know it's not a reboot, it's a sequel. Yeah. And I love that it's for a new generation. Thank you. I love seeing, you know, the faces of color, different genders, different sexual orientations. It is different than how I met your mother. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I think given if the time was different, how I met your mother probably would have tapped into that a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, but this is this, thank God we're here and we're able to tell this story, you know, and, and have this friend circle mirror the way a friend circle looks right? and, you know, in this time in our life, like I was just doing an interview with Tien and she's like, thank God the story is not like Ellen's trauma story of coming out as gay. She's just gay. And her trauma is her divorce. And she's, you know, just looking for more out of New York city, you know? And it's like, yes, thank God we're not having to touch on that. Cause it's like, doesn't need to be touched on anymore. It is people are, this is, you know, it's like just great. And I love, we, we do, we have the most diverse writer's room Mm -hmm. and they're having fun. And we, you know, we get to reap the benefits of that. So what is the pressure? I mean, how I met your mother. Yeah. That is just one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. Yeah. You have to feel a little pressure there, no? Oh, of course. Are you kidding? When I got the phone call um, and my agents were like, we want to talk to you, you know, there's this, this opportunity for, and they kept saying, it's not a reboot, but, uh, and I'm like, of course, coming off of the Lizzie McGuire thing. Right. And I'm just like, what are you? what are you going to say right now? They're like, how I met your father. And I was like, oh my God, come on. No, I can't. No. And then they're like, well, just talk to Isaac and Elizabeth. We're going to send you the script, blah, blah, blah. And then I read the script and I'm just like, lucky me. Like, is it my lucky day? I'm, I'm nine months pregnant right now. And I'm getting offered this job. Like who wants to give me a job right now? You know, like it was honestly, truly a humbling moment of like, wow, they see that I, they think that I can handle this. And of course I love a challenge. And, and I really realized that like, we're not, we're not trying to emulate the show in any way. You know, I, Sophie is not Ted. Um, so-and-so is not Barney. Like it's not, it's just not that. I, I think the writers did such a great job of, you know, borrowing some really classic moves that that show made playing with the future and the past, you know, as quick pops to tell a story, like, um, but like really making it our own show. And, and just at the end of episode one, you realize that, that just these are the new residents of this beloved apartment, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you're set, they're setting us off on our, to tell our story. And I think it's really sweet. And I think the fans, you know, of the original, I know they're very diehard and I know they're expecting a lot, but I think they might, they might also fall in love with the story that we tell and be excited by the, the little gems, you know, that we tuck in there from the original. So what do you like about Sophie and what, what was the most challenging part about tackling her? Um, I think the most tackling part is just always being optimistic. Like, not that I'm not optimistic, but I, I'm a mother of three, you know, (laughs) and I am a little bit more of a realist in I've had to be because of my (laughs) mothering three children and my household and, you know, my career and all of that. Like I, there's a lot of logistics involved and Sophie doesn't have so many logistics to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think part of that is, is why I was drawn to her, but also just like the freedom of being open. I don't think she's been, aside from the, the, the 
stuff with her mom and the not really getting serious with a guy ever. She is like, she's a breath of fresh air, you know, and she, she believes in herself, even though she's like, I don't know how she's getting money for rent. She's definitely (laughs) not thriving in her career path, you know, and her paychecks. Um, but she's figuring it out. Her and her girlfriend are figuring it out together. Um, and she just keeps trying. And I love that in her. And I feel that in my in my career and in my life, like you just keep trying. And then, you know, this one night, she doesn't even know what's happening, but like lightning striking and she's gaining all of her lifetime best friends. Mm. And they are all going to push her through and give her the hope that she needs and, and her to them, like everyone is going to mean a lot to each other through this series and have their special moments with each other where that's the reason they all met, you know? And I know our writers are going to give that to us. And then obviously it's about dating in this crazy wild west of trying to date online and, and do that madness. Like, I can't tell you, I get in bed every night and I just, I'm like, I'm so happy I'm not dating, (laughs) you know? And I thought I was going to maybe just be single forever with like a, be a single mom. So I totally get that serendipitous, like it's out there for you and it can happen. Cause I definitely felt for many years that it wasn't, you know, even in my young age. So, uh, there's a lot of stories to tell and, um, and you know, I just fell in love with Sophie and the way that they wrote the character. I, you read so many bad sitcom scripts, comedy scripts. Like Mm. for me, I really don't think I read a good one that at least came through my door since younger. And I had the same feeling about younger where I was just like, Oh, this is really good. You know? Mm. So I've been really lucky. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, could you imagine now being on those dating apps? I mean, it's to me, I, I, my, my husband and I have been married. We just celebrated eight years this week. actually. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Um, could you imagine being on those apps right now? No, I would feel so hopeless and I would not feel like Sophie at all. I would not be like, yeah, 88, let's keep going. I'd be like, I'm tapped out. I'm getting four dogs. We're doing this, <laughs> you know, toss in a cat. Let's go. <laughs> um, no, that's why I think, I think that's playing on obviously a ridiculous level of dates, but I know friends that are doing it and they're like, it's brutal out there. And, um, and you know, I know someone who just got COVID from a guy that like never called her back. And then like she spent Christmas alone. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of shit. Can you imagine? She got ghosted by a guy who gave her COVID. Correct. You're like horrified. Yeah. Dude is walking around with some really awful karma. Right. I know. I know. Mm -hmm. There's no, well, actually that brought me to my next question is, you know, the, the series is a look back at 2021, Mm -hmm. but there's no COVID from what I could tell. No, there's no COVID. And I think I, I, I actually love the shows that are incorporating COVID. And then I also think we all have COVID fatigue and I'm so happy they're not bringing that into our world Mm. because our show is lighthearted and fun and, you know, it can tug on the heartstrings a tiny bit, but really it's a comedy and, Mm. um, and COVID's not funny anymore. Some of the memes are pretty funny, (laughs) but you know, like we're all over it. I think, I think, I think the country's over it and it's very much still a thing in like New York and LA, but everyone else is like, we're 
good on COVID. No more. <laughs> what about the fact that obviously it's not on a network, it's on a streamer. Yeah. Do you get to push the envelope a little bit more? I would say yes, compared to where network TV is right now. But like, if you watch the original How I Met Your Mother, you're like, what are they saying? Oh my God, how did they got away with murder? I talk to Pam Fryman about it all the time. And we're so lucky because half of our crew was on the original show for like eight years. Oh, wow. And so, you know, all of us walking into, none of us on the cast had done multi-cam before. So I think that like really leveled the playing field of us being like, cool, there's no hierarchy here. We're all stepping in together because this has to take, this is going to take all of us to make this work, you know, Mm. and be friends and have that true camaraderie, you know? Um, But I think, I think we definitely do get away with more than we would if we were on a network show, but also like Hulu is just so, I'm so, I feel so excited to be in this family now because they're so giving. And like, there was a scene that the the writers were like, we're missing this. This is a, we're, we're, you know, we think this is an opportunity here to maybe introduce another guy at some point, you know, because now we know we've met the dad in the pilot, but like, there's some opportunity to play there. And mm-hmm. so we went back, like added a scene, like, and Hulu's just like, yes, go do it. Okay. You know, it's so great. Mm-hmm. That's, that's some nice freedom. Yeah. I've really never been on a show like that before or an operation like that. And who from the original series do you want to see pop up? I'm sure you've been asked this a gazillion times. I want all of them. <laughs> I want all of them. I, I, you know, of course the women, just because now this is a, this is a female run operation at the moment um, with, you know, Sophie being, being at the helm. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a huge Kobe fan cause I love, I love everything she does, but did you watch friends from college? Cause it was phenomenal. So, yeah. So funny. So insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also I love Neil. Like he's just he's- so cool so talented like really crazy talented i think the only reason they got away with that is because he was actually gay in real life because some of the things i was like <laughs> oh my god what's going on um but he was just brilliant um i really want all of them and then also like i like ted like mm-hmm. even though sophie's not ted i i relate to that character because it's kind of not necessarily always the funny one, you know, like you Mm -hmm. don't get all the jokes, you're just leading the pack. And that's a really hard role sometimes to be in. Mm. And I I felt that a little bit through the season where I was like, ah, everyone's having all this fun. And all everyone gets like this joke and that joke. And I'm like, you know, Sophie's the normal one. Sophie's like the related. And sometimes it's fun to just her being in her world is funny, but it's not Mm. necessarily like she's getting all the one-liners, you know? Yep. And I had to go back and watch some of the show and realize that like Ted Mosby had to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> and a big difference is we see the narrator. I mean, that's that's the first person we see. Kim Cattrall. I know. I know. I am obsessed with the casting of Kim Cattrall, like obsessed. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, when I heard her name, I'm like, oh, is that a possibility? Mm-hmm. And then you know, she really, you, you think of Kim Cattrall and you think about New York, which is a, you know, this is where the show is taking place. And New York is just, 
it's just the meeting spot for, for all of this to brew. You know, you open your door in New York and it's all there for you. And, um, and so having her join was just so freaking cool. She's so elegant. She's so, she's like what I hope to be, you know, just more, a little more grounded, a little more settled, but like warm and open and funny. And for me, you know, when Sophie starts to spin out, I think about Kim and I'm like, you made it. You made it okay. Look at where you're sitting. Like, cause I think about her in that gorgeous home and she's talking to her son. She's killing a bottle of wine. I'm like, yes, honey, <laughs> figure it out eventually, you know? Just to switch channels a little bit, Lizzie McGuire. People were so excited. Yeah. Is it dead? Is it done? Is there any chance we'll see something? <laughs> <laughs> My publicist is going to kill me right now. She hates when I talk about this. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's dead. I don't think it's alive and I don't think it's dead. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, and it's, it's taken me so long. Like I've been very vocal about my journey and my relationship with Lizzie. Yeah. Um, and I really felt ready to do that again, you know, cause I, I love her. I love her. And I think that's been a lot of like figuring out how to love myself in a weird meta kind of way. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's dead and I don't think it's alive. I think it's just kind of sitting there. Just You know what? You know, I'm in the family. I mean, yeah. I'm forever in the family, so. And things happen when they happen at that moment. Who would have totally. thought, thought there was even people talking about bringing Lizzie McGuire back at any point? Yeah. I mean, I definitely was. Well, the conversation was going on for probably 10 years. And I was like, no, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. Right. And then one day I was like, yep. You know, so there's so much love there, mm. you know, and there's always struggle with something that's so loved and important to so many people. So I, I just, I just, I just keep my heart and my mind open, you know? Right. So I don't think that how I met your how I met your father would have come about if Lizzie had have happened. So, um, that's that you have, that's how you have to look at it. Like, yeah, and I and I really think that I'm where I'm supposed to be with this show. So, so do you sit down with your kids and watch Lizzie McGuire though? No, I I have we've watched the movie, mm-hmm. and Luca was pretty interested in the movie, and then. I don't know. My, a lot of my friends' kids are watching. And I don't know. Luca's not so interested to watch. So I'm like, cool. When, you, when you're ready, maybe you'll never be ready. But it's cute. He's, <laughs> we watched The Bachelor last night because I was yes, on on to, Monday. Yes, we need to talk about that. Yeah. Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, I do sometimes watch The Bachelor. And sometimes I let him watch The Bachelor and we end up, I have like the remote in hand and I'm like fast forwarding through certain things, just like, oh, 12 seconds, we're going to bypass that. Oh, eight seconds, we're going to bypass that, you know, but he actually loves it. And when he, it came on, when I finally came on last night, it was so cute. He just yelled out and I was sitting right there with him watching, but he went, mom. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I'm right here. <laughs> it was very, very cute. And he's the best ever. But yeah, no, he, I'll tell you what Banks is obsessed. Banks is my, my three-year-old. She's obsessed with my music. It's very embarrassing to roll through my neighborhood. And she's like, 
louder, louder, just <laughs> wants it louder. And I'm blasting like so yesterday and songs <laughs> off of dignity. And it, I, it's, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. I never thought I would be here in my life. And I'm here. And she's just be like, I want sparks. I want sparks. And I'm like, oh God, every time we get in the car, it's so embarrassing. I love how that you're getting embarrassed by her. It's usually it's she's supposed to be embarrassed by your music, but you're getting yeah. embarrassed by her about your music. I know. I'm fully 13 again, where I'm like, God, why this is so embarrassing? But you'll do anything to shut up a three-year-old who repeats herself like she's wasted. And you're just like, okay, we're doing it. <laughs> do, do the kids have that singing gene? Do they have that acting bug, you think? Um, Banks has got some kind of bug and it's just inevitable that it's going to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. Matt, I'm not like naturally musical. Like I, I feel like I have something to say and I've always felt like that, you know, and I feel like I, for whatever reason can like relate to people. And that was my music for me was like, all about connection and just relating somehow. And I wanted to be Britney Spears. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, she, he, Matt is just naturally like can play any instrument and like, he's a wordsmith. Like he'll just write a song. You're like, are you serious? Anytime we have to write something to someone and be like, we've exposed you to COVID or like some <laughs> crap like that. I'm always like, can you finesse this? Like make it, make it cute. And he's just like, boom. And I'm like, you're sick in the head. I don't know how you come up with this kind of stuff, but like, I think banks might have that type of thing. And she's just a personality. We're also kind of scared. She might light the house on fire, but we'll deal with that when it comes. And then Luca is like, I don't know. I don't know. He's really into sports right now. So definitely the one so far that seems to have the gene is banks. Hillary, thank you. I wish we could keep talking. Keep talking about Me that. too. We can't keep going. No, they said one minute. One minute. I think they said that five minutes ago. Um, thank you. And hopefully Thanks, the Mark. next time we get to chat, it's in person because. Yeah, I know. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Hopefully we're talking uh, about, you know, our our next season that we just got I was, granted. I <laughs> season two, season three, season four. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk some more. Awesome. Thank you. Hillary. Love that. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Bye. That was Hillary Duff. That's not all the Hillary Duff talk I have for you, though. As How I Met Your Father continues to generate buzz on Twitter and climb Variety's trending TV chart presented by DirecTV, join me and Angelique Jackson on January 19th today at 11 a.m. PT on Twitter Spaces to continue the conversation about the show. We'll be taking your questions about the series premiere and sharing our thoughts on whether it lives up to the original comedy. We're going to take a short break right now, but when we return, I'm talking to Vanessa Kirby. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Vanessa Kirby, best known for playing Princess Margaret on The Crown, and who was nominated for an Oscar last year for her work in Pieces of a Woman, stars in the new indie drama, Italian Studies. She stars in the Adam Leone written and directed film as Alina Reynolds, a writer who suddenly loses her memory. The movie follows her as she wanders through New York City, trying to make sense of the world around her. At the same time, Alina meets a group of teens, most notably one named Simon and another Erin, played by Maya Hawke. I caught up with Kirby over Zoom from a home in the UK. 
We talked about our own teen years, plus she reveals what it's like working with Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible franchise. She not only appears again in the eighth film, but she tells me they'll start shooting the ninth later this year. Here's Vanessa Kirby. How are you, Vanessa? Hi, I'm good, Mark. Where are you right now? I am in Los Angeles. Are you in London? Oh, lucky to be in LA, you are. I miss it. I'm hoping to get over as soon as I can. I have so many friends there. Miss the weather, that's for sure. You can see out here now. Oh, God. Well, we had some... This is nothing. We had awful weather over the holidays. It was like torrential Mm. rainpour, historic rainpour. Our basement got flooded. My husband and I had no heat over the holidays. It was lovely. (laughs) Oh, my God. I made it for a very snuggly Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Probably made you snuggle more. Never bad. Uh, so let's talk Italian studies. What I just want to know is, how do you get this pitch? What's in the script? How do you wrap your mind around this sort of, I mean, I'm from New York. So for me, it was just, you know, a beautiful love letter to New York. But how do you, how did you describe the movie to people saying, okay, I'm doing this movie. She doesn't have memory. She's not sure where she is, but maybe I just described the memory and I described the movie for you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and a love letter to New York. You know, I think it very much reflected a couple of things, really. It, it, you know, we, Adam describes it as a period piece because it really was, it was pre-pandemic. It was 2017. We, we had the conversation and, you know, begun in 2018 Wow. So it's quite surreal. It's like a time capsule, both of in my life and also of New York before everything happened. Mm. You know, and the nature of who we are must have shifted so dramatically um, to who we were then, uh, as a as a group of you know, of, 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 a collective group of animals inhabiting a, a <laughs> an urban jungle that we do. And um, so. I was doing a play in London and I had a few, a few days like intervals and I was going to come out to New York um, and Adam I'd known for a while. And, you know, I loved his movies. They were so, so New York. I love New York. And so we kind of talked about maybe doing a short film in the time periods, you know, maybe we could shoot a little short film. And then he was like, well, you know, maybe we could make it a feature if we shot for enough days. And so it begun as a kind of a very free, um, a loose um, journey to, and, and he describes it as an experiment because the other part of it was he said, look, I've been working with these teenagers for a couple of years and I find them so inspiring and I feel very um, enlightened by them actually. And I would love to put them, I've always wanted to put them in a film. Would you be up for experimenting on set with, with, with this group of people who I don't think ever get put on film really. Mm. And um, I met them and I loved them and I felt so humbled by them. And I felt very um, ignorant compared to them actually. And I think the whole film was, cause I didn't, I didn't know what the film was going to be. I sort of went, okay, I'm going to be out in New York. Like what, what, what would you ask of my process? And Adam, um, said, you know, I don't want you to have a process. I want you to come as you are. If you're knackered, you come knackered. If you're jet lagged, which I was many times or not feeling great because I've been like doing this play and, you know, it was different days and different times. And I, and, I, and you know, I'm a very 
very kind of forensic detailed kind of you know love my work and very disciplined in that sense and suddenly I didn't have any of that stuff to do so I had to kind of surrender to a process that was being asked of me and um, it was actually very scary but really I, I just saw the heart of it as these teenagers who were forming their own sense of identity that that very fluid state we all remember where you're like who am I am I this person let me try that out for a bit and let me and I what was being asked of me was to try nothing out you know was to just take away all the things that I think you know makes me me or a person or an actor or any of those things so I had to sort of like rather than add things on I had to take them away and that was really challenging for me and to not know to not know, to not know one day to the other what it was or what we'd be filming or what, what the scene was or there not be a scene, you know. It was, it was very challenging for me. It was, it was a very formative period. Is there a freedom in that also, though? Not going in because he asked you, don't be prepared. Don't, don't overanalyze this. Just go in naked. Go in with Jeff. Yeah. There must be, is there a freedom in the sense of like, well, I don't know if I'm doing something wrong because there was no right way yes, I was told. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and you know, it requires you to not hold on to the edge of the pool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to like tear your feet, like one by one, get your fingers off and just sort of plunge. Um, <laughs> but what what was really humbling to me was seeing seeing Simon and the other teenagers be more free than I was, quite honestly. And for me to not have identity to hold on to because, and sort of inhabit in a way, the, the experience of trying to find out, find out who you are. And we all go through these mini things every day, you know, where we have to give up something we thought we were, or we're confronted with something we didn't realize about ourselves that then we have to let go of, or, or we, we hold on to it with all our might, even though it's not good for us, you know, all those sorts of things you're asked to surrender on a micro level every day and meanwhile these teenagers were sort of throwing things off and trying things and you know questioning it but being in the and so I that that was what was being asked of me and it was actually terrifying because I actually really didn't enjoy being a teenager what kind of teenager were you oh my god I didn't know who I was I was very emotional I look back at it you know quite a painful existential experience and in a way, Alina was meant to be childlike in that kind of know nothing sort mm. of space. And it's hard. It's very hard not to know nothing, both as an actor and as a person. And I was required to know nothing. And that was really difficult. <laughs> when you're around these, I mean, for lack of a better term, kids, um, did you feel like the elder statesman or did you feel like, oh, my God, I'm getting I'm back to my teenage years because yeah. you're not supposed to know anything? pre pre that younger than them quite honestly and I guess that's what Alina was is experiencing what she's meant to embody she's really you know I've talked about it sort of as like a a reflective glass to that experience so you you can't really you're not you can't really play anything you can't really be definitive a definitive sense of you know recognizably a definitive because she's if that component of your memory that make up who you are, my name's John, I work here and I do this and this is where I live and I'm a, I'm this nationality. You know, if you lost all those things you didn't know, how would you experience this crazy, frenetic world of machines and connecting through electro- electronics and, you know, a, a system that we're all collectively 
complicit in? And if you lost all those things, how do you experience the world? And so you could sort of like go through the eyes of somebody that A, doesn't know any of those things and B, has not formed it. And actually I was looking up at the, at the teenagers and, and Simon particularly really um, spellbound by their, their assured um, striving into the world to try and find out. And I think sometimes we forget that because we think we know who we are and we kind of forget to keep learning. Mm-hmm. And I was learning a lot from them and I felt embarrassed at my own <laughs> ignorance half the time. Um, yeah. What was, everything seems so real. So I don't know what was scripted, what wasn't scripted. One of my favorite scenes is when you go into the bodega and you try to get some hot soup. And you're like, could you put hot water in here? And he's like, okay, give me the 250. And then even I was like, just give him the 250. I was like, oh my God, she doesn't have the money. She doesn't know where her bag is. Did you have to remember while you were filming that you didn't know yes do you know what I mean it's so hard I kept being like Adam can you write a scene like is it possible for me to play play a scene he was like no because you don't know Lena's not playing a scene you have to not know and I was like oh my god it just was so tough um and yeah that 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 wonderful man who I thought god you're a better actor than I am he was so in the moment and we were just improvising but again I didn't know what I was doing and then I had to remember that I didn't know really what money was and that's so weird to forget, to, to be asked to forget, where enacting most of it is remembering, remembering your lines, remembering who you're playing, remembering what the time is, remembering what, where to stand in front of the camera and to, to actively unre- you know, not remember anything was, yeah, was, was, was challenging. But I think also as a teenager, you think you know everything and you, and you know nothing. And that, that experience is a very strange, contradictory, complex I mean, it was for me. It was for me. I was thinking, you know, I was feeling two opposing things at the same time all the time. So, what would you yeah. change? What would you change if you could go back to your teenage years? Oh God, probably to worry less, to worry less about the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, I, I found, I found, and, and I think that's what the film is sort of capturing: is this, to me. As adults, we continue to worry about the future probably more than ever. And in a way, with with Simon and and the as you say, the, the kids in the movie, they just they just were them. You know, they were present. They were them. They were uninhibited. You know, all the things that I didn't feel <laughs> I had to try to do. Um, so I felt the more like the one very out of place. But I suppose she was supposed to. And you know, so then on the complete other side, Mission Impossible how great is it to be able to go off do this small film in New York, but then, you know, be with Tom Cruise as he's hanging off airplanes. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel so lucky for that. So lucky. And I, when I think about it now, I, I sort of realized that I think because I came from theater for so many years prior to doing any screen stuff, um, I realized that plays are so different from play to play and it's, mm. and it's dependent on the writer. So, you know, I often say Shakespeare is like utterly different to Arthur Miller, that it's a different genre. So it's almost like one could be the, the comp of Mission Impossible and one could be, <laughs> you know, like the small little Ibsen play or the tiny little two-hander you do in a small theater in the round compared to a huge 
Jacobean tragedy on the Olivier stage at the National. It requires different things. And I always loved that stretch. And I loved not knowing what the hell I was doing and being asked to do something um, scary because I didn't know it. Um, and I think I sort of have that maybe insane impulse to keep doing to keep doing that. Um, because the, the the fear must indicate something yeah something that you're you don't know yet and I'd much rather know like learn something um and so every time I, I usually choose things that well pretty much always now that that really scare me what is the scariest time on set of a Mission Impossible movie what is that stunt that you're looking at and you're going holy bleep I mean, it happens all the time. <laughs> Do you know what? It happens when um, Chris McQuarrie and Tom, who are just the most amazing unit, um, when they show you like rushes or an assembly of the stunt they've just done in the film that no one's seen yet, and you look at it on an iPhone or something and you honestly nearly want to be sick. It's so terrifying. And I think that's what's so unique about those movies. And I, it's such an amazing the soul of it is so amazing because you've actually got Tom doing it for, for literally for real. It's not CGI. And we know, and as an audience member, you watch it. I've seen his latest Top Gun, same thing. You're like, oh my God, he's actually doing that. He's actually flying that pet plane. And therefore you're not sort of tricking me into suspending my disbelief. I can't help but believe. And I'm like, you know, squirming in my seat because it's so, it's so, um, you know, it's, a, it's an unbelievable form of courage. I don't know. I don't know how he does that. And I know that the next one that he's training for right now is wilder than any of the others. So I just, even that makes me, makes me sweat. But yeah. You don't want to go to space with Tom Cruise? <laughs> um, I think I'll let him go first and tell me how it is. <laughs> he goes through his eyes. Yeah. What, what is it about him that, allow allows him or he gives himself permission i guess to do it it's just it's it's other mm. i don't know how to explain it it is it is he's just got this most amazing drive to <clears throat> go into uncharted territory mm. and quite honestly you know stunts may not be my forte <laughs> um or rather bravery in that area you know I don't think I'd be very good at all at climbing down the, <clears throat> the the building or the cliff that he does I mean even that first bloody mission oh my god um but he definitely inspires you to push beyond the remits that you think are possible mm. in yourself and what is the equivalent of that stunt you know for me it was oh my god could I do could I possibly do a 30 minute birth scene it's one take and I haven't given birth there's no way I can do that. Who do I think I am? That's like absurd. And in a way, when you've seen somebody push beyond what they think they can do and live like that, it actually makes you go, I'm so terrified. I'm going to have to, if I jump off this cliff, I don't know if there's going to be anything on the other side of it, but I, maybe I have to take that like leap really. Um, and so I'd say that's what, that's what it does for people around it. It's, around a, really it. Good, it's a really good TED talk almost. Yes, I think he should do one. I think he should do one. Yeah. Um, have you seen the movie? Mission. Yeah. yeah. You haven't seen it yet. No one has. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I've seen bits of it. I've seen bits of it with um, 
Eddie, the editor, and, and Chris McQuarrie, we spoke before Christmas and they showed me a little bit on Zoom and I was just gobsmacked and sweated, sweated from head to toe because it's really nail biting. But um, yeah, they're still they're still editing. They're still working as always and composing and everything. So yeah, I think it's going to be a really good one. How really, many really have you signed up for? I'm doing one more. And that's it, unless they come to you. I mean, unless they would, unless they would even have me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> unless they would have me. Um, but I, you know, I, I loved, I loved playing that character. She was so um, strange, and they gave me permission to play strange, and that's a really rare thing as well to play, particularly in those kinds of films. You know, she was very undefi- undefinable, and I, um, I really, I really loved it. In fact, I've still got her. <laughs> that's what you took from set yeah yeah well I had to practice with um I had to, pra- I had to practice with like a blade of one of those you see and, and I was very I'm not very coordinated so I had to spend quite a long time trying to master the art of that but when when do you start shooting number eight I think uh this year at some point yeah they're just they're just uh gathering their plans well, Vanessa thank you so much this was wonderful. Hopefully next time I see you, either I'm in London, you're in LA, something like that, in person. Yes, in person. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I've missed that. Right now, LA is getting hit pretty hard. It's every, I'm not good. My husband and I have not had it, but everyone in LA is getting hit with Omicron. I know. I know. It really is everywhere, isn't it? Well, stay safe. Be well. Thank you. And congrats Thank on you. Italian studies. Thank you. That was Vanessa Kirby. Italian Studies is in theaters now. And that is it for this week's Just for Variety. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Mark Malkin. And for all your Hollywood news, breaking news, exclusives, and everything in between, check out Variety.com. See you next time. (music) 